This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies and gentlemen, before we can begin this week's episode of the podcast, we have a special message. Hello, everyone. My name is David Ballard, video game developer and former friend and co-worker of Paul Papera. I was grievously saddened by his recent and sudden passing, and I'm grateful and humbled to pay tribute through this memorandum with him. Paul and I both began our professional careers 10 years ago at the now out-of-business Texas game company, TimeGate Studios. Working with Paul in the early days was amazing. He was one of the best artists in the building, even at a junior level. He was always quiet and reserved until given the chance to collaborate and share his ideas, where he would come alive and burst into passionate conversation. And he was very open to learning and collaborating with others. I always admired him for his talent, passion, and hard work ethic. He was the artist to pay attention to. 2007 was very different than today. The video game industry was significantly smaller. Unreal Engine 3 just came out. Gears of War 1 was our next-gen game art bible. Normal maps was a hot new thing, and there wasn't much in the way of tutorials or online resources to learn how to make game art. That's something that made knowing Paul extra special. He did so much personal work and exploration on his own time to catch up to the AAA industry giants like Epic and Bungie. It seemed like every other week I'd come into work and see the newest awesome piece Paul created the weekend before. Personally, Paul was fun and delightful to be around. We saw Iron Man in theaters, played a ton of Team Fortress 2, and made all sorts of Star Wars and Indiana Jones references. We even nicknamed our work pod Hoth after Empire Strikes Back because it was so cold and all white. It was a privilege to be surrounded by talented, driven, and caring people. Working there set a bar for me as far as working relationships were concerned for years to come at Naughty Dog and Ubisoft. We were young, making video games, and living the dream. Then the Great Recession hit. Soon after, he founded his own outsource studio, Triptych, and eventually moved on as well. His studio repertoire would go on to include the likes of id, 343 Industries, Valve, and Oculus. He was definitively an industry titan. As we both moved forward and in different directions in our careers, we stayed in touch, catching up at industry events like E3, GDC, and PAX Prime. No matter how much time passed between us talking, when we saw each other again, it was friendship as usual. He was dependable that way. I, for one, was constantly inspired by Paul's personal and professional art for years to come. From my perspective, he went through art phases, and as I look back on his work, that's even more evident. No matter what Paul did, whether it was World War II-era tanks, industrial mechanica, photography, giant sci-fi doors, or the hottest spaceships on Polycount, Paul gave 100% of himself, perfecting and mastering his craft every step of the way. It was no surprise that Paul co-founded System Era and created Astroneer, his first independent title. I always felt he would take the industry by storm. He was too driven not to. And I was always fiercely proud of him for it. He was a gifted artist and a great friend, and he will be sincerely missed. Thank you, Paul, for the lols. Rafa. That was David Ballard, paying respects and tribute to his dear friend and colleague, Paul Pepperer. Paul, you can rest now, buddy.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know the voice, you know the time. It's Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team, the number one podcast about video game development and the lifestyle thereof. With me this week to help co-host the episode, it's the man responsible for all the mocap from the Super Nintendo Batman Returns game, Mr. Brandon Pham. Hey, what's up, everybody? Swiping a sweat off my brow. This is Brandon Pham with a very special guest, Kirill Takarev. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. Bam! How's it going? How are you doing? <laughs> hey, guys. Good, good. Brandon, I must say, your reading is, like, impeccable now. <laughs> I'm getting better at reading names, yes. Well, Kirill, uh, thank you so much for joining us this Thank week. you for inviting me. Yeah, and, uh, well, Kirill, before I go into any specific, I'm going to allow yourself to introduce yourself and kind of give us our audience a little uh, background of what you do here. Oh, uh, so I'm an editor-in-chief and uh, sort of the main writer and the main person managing everything at uh, 80.LV, which is known as 80 Level. This is uh, a game development website, mostly for 3D folk. So for guys who are doing 3D production textures, materials, sculpts, and so on and so forth. Uh, we've been around like for a couple of years already, but I think it's just, I mean, maybe this year, we're finally starting to gain some ground and uh, get more of the readerships. Yeah, Kirill, I think you're just putting it modestly, like gaining some ground. I'm, I'm thinking you guys are taking the industry by storm. 80 yeah, level to me is like, and Larry has coined this term, and I think it's coming true, the Kotaku of game development. It's like uh, everyone at, at my work is always talking about it. Students that I teach are always referencing it. It's it's a big deal. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Dude, there's not a day I'm on Facebook without seeing something from 80.LV. So. That is because of me. I, I post <laughs> all those ads. <laughs> well, it's my work. Yes. My yes. At least speaking of, you know, having all those exposure, like I'm pretty sure you didn't just pop up one day with such a, like, uh, with such a great site um, gaining traction. Like where, where did your career all begin? Like when did it all start? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. So, so you know, good things never start like from just from nothing. And before you have a good thing, you have to do a hundred of bad things or something like that. So, um, I started as a as a game journalist, I would say. So, I was writing all those reviews, previews that people like to argue about <laughs> in, in the comments and the internet, saying that you don't understand games. So I've been doing this like for a while in uh, Ukraine and Russia. I was also an editor in, in one magazine, like a features editor, writing those long pages of, about developers. Uh, and I was just reviewing games for fun. It was a very interesting gig, but unfortunately the situation changed and uh, but, well, you couldn't earn, like, money with it anymore, unfortunately. And the, most of the, like, paper magazines, they closed with the introduction of, like, uh, when the internet came, basically, <laughs> and destroyed everything. So, uh, and I was doing, after that, some marketing writing. So I was doing 
marketing blogs and stuff like that for various companies. And uh, there was one company uh, which is called Exola. They're basically doing uh, sort of publishing, distribution, and payments in, for video games. They work with big companies like Ubisoft, like Valve, uh, and so on, like Epic Games as well. And uh, they sort of helped me to like co-found this project. Mm-hmm. Uh, their president was a very nice guy, and he sort of thought, why, why don't we stop doing this, just market this stuff on our corporate blog, and instead, let's write um, like a normal media website. And uh, so we started that, and that's how 80.v was born. So I basically, 80.v was his idea, the name, because he said that, well, yeah, that's like going to be the top of the top, like the, the best, because he's a World of Warcraft player and uh, it all at that time I knew was it. like uh, you know That's, the biggest I knew it. <laughs> highest level. But but then when 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 we were talking about it, when we already bought, I think the the domain name, um, we, we figure out that well, it, it's kind of the level cap is higher now, <laughs> so we have to yeah. go. But uh, anyway, we 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 stick to that. Yeah, because it's sort of like a, it's it's vintage name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first was introduced to your your site, I was like, eighty level. I was like, oh, I bet you these guys play WoW. You know, I thought it was like a tip yeah, of the hat. Yeah, yeah. WoW. But also, what's funny is you said that you know not everything happens on the first try. That you guys kind of went through some iterations, or you and your life. So, kind of funny speaking, eighty dot LV from the start. Did you know it was going to be about like helping game developers expose processes and show workflows and things like that? Or was there like 1.lv through 79.lv where you tried different types of journalism first before you settled on what your niche is right now? Yeah, so another great question. <laughs> yes, we did <laughs> We did go, go through a number of like iterations, right? So we didn't really know what is going, what, what's it going to write about. We will just look at like what websites are writing right now, like Kama Sutra, Game Industry, some others, and uh, most of them are very like business oriented. I would say. So we started writing about business. We thought that this whole thing about like like Venture Beat does it right, mm-hmm. writing about like uh, sales and. Uh, like what platform is going to be the hot platform, what platform is not going to be a hot platform and stuff like that, that it's going to catch up and so on. But uh, in my understanding, this kind of market is already pretty filled. So there's nothing much you can say. You can just do rewrites and stuff like that. So, which is not very interesting to read and it's not very useful for the user. So, and in my understanding, if you want to do, like a good product, you have to do something that is like beneficial to the community. Some do something that is useful, mm-hmm. and th- this was what the first thing, like for me, the motto for ADW. And the second one, I guess, was doing something exclusive. So I do not want to do like rewrites and stuff like that. Yes, basically, we can do some news articles talking about some points that is interesting but my idea was to approach the developers talk with them and let them share their stories their expertise and stuff like that 
Mm-hmm. So those are like the two principles that sort of formed our idea of how it's going to work. And then we started working. But again, we didn't have this clear understanding that we're going to write about like production. Like we didn't understand we're going to write about like 3D. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, guys who are like from uh, Polycount or 3D Total are laughing their socks off right now. But we didn't really... <laughs> We didn't really see that as a as a interesting market for us, but for me personally, uh, that was very interesting because I've been uh, doing some of three D way back, like when I was still in school or something like that. Um, and I was always fascinated by how they're building the worlds, how they're doing the level editors. I mean, I think every game video gamer did any like messed with the built engine for Duke Nukem 3D like back in the day or the Quake engine and so on and so forth. So I, I did that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was very interested in level design in particular. So while I was still doing the corporate blog gig, uh, I kind of connected with a couple of level designers, but then it was an artist as well uh, from Russia. And they're very talented. They were doing like great work and we started talking. Like we, we did interviews the same way. We talked about like low poly. We talked about ways you can approach like digital art right now. And uh, gradually, I started to understand that the whole market, <laughs> the whole like production changed so much. Like mm-hmm. I haven't been following like for a while, but it changed incredibly. Yeah. Like, the kind the kind of tools that are available for people right now just were unthinkable like even like five or ten years ago yeah the the introduction of tools like zbrush or substance designer substance, yeah. that's a big one right there or like photogrammetry tools like uh like megascans library for example or houdini yeah. i mean yeah houdini was was the, was here like for a while but they are making this jump into games right now like these the last couple of years and uh i kind of saw a lot of potential there so i saw a lot of those great tools and a lot of people who are using it and uh, they're building wonderful stuff with it so i thought why don't we go in that direction and for me personally it was sort of sort of like a personal choice Mm-hmm. I didn't have like much guidance in terms of well, like content policy of what we should or shouldn't write about. So I had my freedom here. So I decided why don't we why don't we approach some artists and try to talk with them. So that, that is a another funny story. So uh, back in the day when I was still doing the like interviews for paper magazines, <laughs> approaching developers was kind of a very big deal. You couldn't just go and, you know, talk with a developer. You had to go to a, like a PR guy. Who's oh, gonna yeah, yeah. <laughs> send him the, some questions. He's going to cut your questions and then <laughs> he's going to send it to the developer and developer is going to give you very uh, generic marketing, you know, kind of answers. Like he's copied it from a press release or something. Did they ever just give you a sheet? Like, yeah, these are the questions you can ask. And you look at it like, why does your game look so good? Exactly. <laughs> why so, is your game so awesome? <laughs> th- there wasn't much freedom there in terms of what I can ask and what they can answer. Mm-hmm. So I thought at first that it was going to be a very top job because 
people won't answer me. Mm-hmm. But then I started talking and I, uh, I went on the um, Polycount and the other forums like Mapcore. And I started talking with people, started just following what they're discussing. And I thought that, well, the whole discussion is very open. People are very open. They're sharing their techniques. They're they're talking about the tools. They're uh, talking with uh, newcomers or with professionals. So it's not a very close environment. So I decided, well, what the hell? I'm going to just start writing emails. And um uh, I wrote a couple of emails. I think one of them was a student who was doing just um, environmental work. And he had this beautiful scene with a lighthouse and an old car. And it looked like a, like almost like a movie. Very nice quality. And it was all done in real time in a real engine. And I thought, at first I thought, well, this is basically impossible. Come on. <laughs> Nobody can do that. And uh, then we started talking. I asked him questions about the production, what kind of tools he used, how he approached it. And he did this wonderful interview, which was very detailed. And we kind of published it. And then suddenly, like oh, from from nowhere, we've seen like a huge surge in like in views. Mm-hmm. People were very interested in it. Uh, and I'm not sure at that moment that those were like 3D people. But uh, I guess... Readers were just interested to learn about how games are actually made. And uh, from that point, I kind of got more brave, I would say, and I started writing more emails to just basically everybody, <laughs> like every guy out there that I, the work I liked or the environment I fancied. I just emailed the author and asked, well, why don't we talk about it? Why don't you discuss like more like the mm-hmm. peculiar things that you've used there? What tools have you used? How did you use them? How did you apply them? And then I started digging in the software myself, discovering like all that wonderful stuff that is available to people right now. And which was again, unthinkable a couple of years ago, even. And, uh, that's, that's how it all went, I guess. Yeah. There's like a few things that, of course, uh, you did completely right at the right time, but a lot of strategic, I would say, surgically, uh, surgic precisions, right? So like, like anything that is successful, you did the marketing research of what you were interested in. And at the same time, there was a need for it. Speaking from the environment side of things, there were websites and stuff that uh served some kind of purpose for the environment guys to look at like you're talking about the the, the forms mostly like uh polycount 3d total all these different sites but most of it is like a work in progress type of forum like you mm-hmm. would see a beautiful image and you go through it and it's like pages after pages of bad comments and then some really <laughs> good comments like that is from a professional giving some good tips and you had to dig through all this so for a while and which is really odd right you would think the environment guys would have a more uh uh more purpose well, not purposeful i would say like uh m- more attention 
towards what we do because the character guy you know the character community had all these seabrush they they had uh these dominance war type of uh, competitions yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody loved characters everybody loved breaking down characters but there was a hole uh for the environment guys and we had to kind of just revert to forms to kind of you know check out techniques and you know within the last two years there was a huge surge because of 80 level and it had that magazine treatment of breaking down an environment like it's not it, it has the right questions the artist is very thorough um and for a while the written form was kind of ignored like everyone kind of reverts or uh, tries to like uh push the video form uh, of tutorials but a lot of those it's hard even for me to to just scan through and get to what i want to know scrolling down a page that is written down is still to me the most preferred way for me to like just get to what i want you know what what exactly did you do it's a lot faster than trying to script through something oh shit i missed go back oh shit i missed all right control f is a powerful tool (laughs) yeah yeah i guess i guess so yeah yeah so from the art environment art at least community we thank you very much because we've been waiting for something like 80 level for a long time and uh and I think that's the main reason why that you guys are, are seeing so much clicks and shares because, you know, you guys get badasses on there and we want to learn from badasses uh, that are thorough about their techniques and workflow. Yeah, I, it's actually, actually funny. I, I didn't think that like environmental art was kind of neglected, let's say, like by the press and like basically the production people. Like everybody was, you're you absolutely right. Everybody was talking about characters and what kind of posture the character should get. I mean, I've been a subscribe subscription to like 3D Tall, 3D Magazine and others. And most of their centers around characters or very, very powerful like CGI, mm-hmm. like Pixar does or something like that. But there was very little talk about actually making games and for me like environmental art level design this is actually game making so you have a a bunch of mechanics and then you have the the world that supports them right yeah and nobody was writing about that which is absolutely strange for me i, I don't understand why because this is such an interesting topic for me personally again i would write about like environmental art like all the time because i think there is so much depth in there there's so much levels to learn and it's just so interesting to watch i mean i've been watching some uh, i've been watching just some streams of people building things like i think it's the division the division Mm -hmm. team and it's just mesmerizing i mean they put so much thought in every detail that there is on the screen they're just basically telling stories those are just building stories out of nothing out of just you know plastic bags and uh, cardboard boxes just put them in the right way and you got yourself like a whole new world this is exciting i think yeah i mean you're, you're not gonna get anything uh or any of us saying the opposite because you're looking at a level designer and environment guy <laughs> we're like we completely agree character guys are nothing no we respect character guys but you know, for a while, then the level guys have been feeling neglected, at least in the coverage and on the internet and stuff. So, 
yeah, it, it is something that is weirdly been a hole in the press. It's uh, like I I do feel like it is a large part of game development for sure, and uh, uh, it is time for us to shine. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's one of those things that I, I think the it was the right quality, right, and the right time that 80 level came on board because it's blowing up for that reason. So you did mention uh, earlier that when you kind of got started with the student, his unbelievably realistic environment with the old car and the lighting, you said there was a surge in growth in searches and shares, you know, I get, can you go back to early on in 80 LVs like life and tell us about when you experienced that surge and like, were you prepared? How did you deal with it? How did you help leverage that for growth in the future? Well, I wouldn't say it was like uh, overnight success. Oh, okay. Uh, there was like uh, some interest in the environmental art because before that there was like basically no interest, <laughs> I would say. So we were very flat, which was very depressing. But uh, I started to push out more content and then figure out what people are interested in. in and I got myself more into this topic and I started talking to those wonderful people in the community. And I met like guys like Josh Lynch and the others who are doing the substance designer work uh and i was basically hooked so for me it was like a matter of uh, honor you know to do an interesting piece like every day but um obviously you cannot do that so you have to do you have to work a little bit uh you know you make a schedule make a plan and you connect with the guys and you talk about and you do the interview but you know that the the interview is going to be published maybe next month. Mm-hmm. And this month you basically have nothing. So, <laughs> so I had this kind of very flat month and I decided I will just write an email every day, try to connect as many people as possible. And uh, you have to understand, like uh, you're saying like right now, ADLV is well known. Yeah, which it is, is like a very, very nice high praise for me. But before that, in the beginning, it was it was nothing. I mean, some uh, some Russian guy, Ukrainian guy, is asking me some questions about environmental art, and uh, I work in Blizzard, and uh, why would I like answer him? Mm-hmm. Who is he? Like. Just. What is that all about, right? Hey, you, but, you can expose this Blizzard guy if you want. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, uh, no, I'm the, kidding, I'm the kidding. idea is that, well, we're not that, you know, known. Yeah. But uh, the response from those people who are like environmental artists, character artists, like texture artists, lighting artists was amazing. I would never be able to build like Aided Alloy if I hadn't the wonderful community. Like, yeah. Which, which contributes everything. People want to share their knowledge. They want to share their workflows. They want to share tips. They want to make better art and they want to help people make better art. So for me, it was not that hard, I guess, to just um, meet new people, talk to them and push out new articles. Obviously, it took some time and answering your question we didn't have like 
a million views like in one sure. day okay. and our our servers were mostly idle not a lot of action was going on there but uh, slowly gradually we started building the community and we started working with like social networks we started getting the traffic going and uh, all the course like of those like two years i think i've learned so much about uh the whole way this industry works and how it all like functions and so on and so forth because there's like a bunch of small details that as an uh, as artists you maybe are not very interested in but there is like stuff like traffic management there's like advertising there's monetization there is uh, social networks production there is like a bunch of different stuff so you have to take everything like you have to care every single point, which is kind of time consuming. That's why I'm, we're having this conversation late at, late at night. <laughs> <laughs> Putting in that midnight oil. Yeah, but I, but I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I love what I'm doing. So then let me ask you a question that's kind of on the other side of that, of that coin, which is let's, let's go back before you notice the uptick in popularity. Now, this is a question a lot of people who listen to this podcast will probably be able to relate with in starting a new project, that flat period where you're not seeing the growth, where you're not getting the shares or the responses. You know, what's your mindset in persevering through those moments of, you know what, I'm going to continue to invest this time and do this work because I believe it's going to work. Like where, I guess, where are you in that period of time and how did you get through? Um, uh, you know, I'm not a a business guy, I would say. So I didn't have the like a business education. So I, I've read only one book on business, <laughs> which is kind of, I think, bad. <laughs> but anyway, it's a very good book. It's called like From Good to Great. Okay. And it's sort of like a bunch of market research. It's very well written, very interesting. And they have a bunch of companies who talk about how they reach success. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is one very interesting sort of rule that they use is they try different things. And when they see that one thing is doing very well, they sort of uh, concentrated all their effort on that one thing. So for example, like the Kleenex factory, right? So they were making paper before that. They were just a bunch of factories making paper. And, uh, like their top management guy said, no, we're going to make like napkins. Uh, and they built like the whole business out of it because they were very good at it. And during that period that you're asking, like before it started to catch up, I was just trying different things. Okay. I was trying different topics. I was trying um, different. I was talking to different people. I was meeting different people. And one of those very important meetings, I guess, I had is uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, he's actually also from Ukraine, but right now he lives in uh, UK. And he sort of introduced me to Unreal Engine. And like, it's not that I didn't know what Unreal Engine was, right? So I was working in press like for a while and I knew about Unreal and wrote countless words about it. But um he kind of t- showed me that they were at this uh, step in their lives when the the company was changing and the technology was changing and they were giving it 
out like for free and people were embracing it and working with it. And I kind of thought that it was very interesting and uh, sort of very unusual because I was used to the idea that an engine like that would cost you a million dollars. Yeah, a million dollars or maybe like a hundred thousand to get just a generic license and start yeah. working on a project. So I thought that some student like from Colorado somewhere is going to start building his project in Unreal Engine and he will have this crazy kind of environment that you would never see, like even in a game, because it was like yes. super top-notch, right? And that kind of got me interested. And I started, you know, picking up different topics. I, I went from like from game technology to game engines. And then I thought about what kind of tools are you actually using with game engines? What are you working with? What what people are using? And this is how gradually I sort of understood what kind of content policy we should have, okay. what should we write about, what people are interested in, because it's all about uh, the readers for me. Because basically I have my own like likes and dislikes, right? So I like this kind of scene or, or I like that kind of scene or I like this kind of game or that kind of game. But it's all about what people actually want to learn about. If they want to learn about uh, like procedural generation of assets, then yeah. we're going to write about that. So I'm, that's how gradually, like step by step, it kind of unfolded the whole thing and started uh, just basically doing a bunch of work. Uh, in that direction. I hope this answers your question. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I have one uh, one piggyback question for you then. Do you have a channel or a group of people that are hitting you up like, hey, we want to learn about this? Or is it that you kind of just keep your eye on search queries or forum posts to see what's popular? I, I'm all over the, like, I'm all over the internet. Like, I had a very funny saying, like, uh, I don't remember who said that, but he said, well, basically, Kirill, you're a very lucky guy. All your, your job is just post stuff on Facebook, but that's <laughs> not entirely true. I also read a lot of stuff on Facebook. So yeah. I follow like hundreds of groups, 10,000 hours, like level up and Unreal Engine groups, Unity groups, CryEngine groups, Substance tools groups, like Quicks, you know, mm -hmm. basically everybody who's there, like on the internet doing 3D stuff, I follow them. And I'm always very interested in new kind of ways they're using tools, new interesting workflows that they're using. Because I'm, I always, I mean, I try a little 3D myself, but obviously not as good to sh as, you know, be brave enough to show it to anybody <laughs> except, except for maybe for laughs or something. Yeah. But uh, I'm always interested in how they're just taking something that was used to do one particular thing and then they twist and turn it and suddenly they're making something completely different out of it. Mm -hmm. And those kind of, uh, you know, discoveries are very interesting for me. And uh, I think a lot of people appreciate that and they're looking for that particular interesting workflows because I have, since then, I've been to a couple of studios and everybody's so interested in new ways to go into this workflow or that workflow, use this software or that software. It's, it's just like, a, 
natural curiosity for them, right? So they're just curious about how this is going to work. A lot of artists in the industry are under a lot of pressure, right? So they have to push out content very fast and they have art directors, they have producers, and they don't really have enough time to sort of try and sit down with the software, figure out what it can do, just try something completely new. So it takes your like evening that you can spend with your family and so on. So, and for them, like I think ADLV is sort of this window into like new workflows, new tools that their colleagues out there are using and they're sharing like, how do they use them? What are the advantages or disadvantages or in what particular like example or situation do they use them? I think that is uh, one of the things that is val valuable like for the community right now. Because yeah. it saves them like a, a lot of time. Well, speaking of time, like... <laughs> 80.lv, yes, are lean and mean, but so prolific on uh, just all the articles you have every week. Uh, I'm just so impressed. Like, how, how are you able to, to manage all this? This is a good question. I can't answer it myself. Even. <laughs> well, the, we just tried to do our best, I guess. So we hired... Uh, uh, another person in, uh, I think, in February, February last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, his name is Artyom Sergeyev. He's also from Russia. And uh, he's been helping me a lot just with the news articles, with arranging some of the interviews and so on and so forth. So he was, um, he was able to connect with some artists and talk with them and do the interviews and discuss some of the topics. So now I'm not doing this alone, which is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing, I just try to approach as many people as possible because mm -hmm. there is just, I mean, there's so much great stuff out there. I mean, every time I, I open like a browser and I go on our station or I go into like level up group, I'm just amazed. People are doing so much great stuff. Like they, they are the things, the the experiments they do with like foliage, with like uh, landscape generation. I mean, I, and I, I'm like a you know like a guy, like a child in a candy store. I like all of it. I mean, I love it. So I want to talk with everybody, and I that's what I do. I try to like email everybody, find them on Facebook. Uh, send them personal messages, hunt them down on LinkedIn or somewhere else. And we'll just stalk them <laughs> and try to get my questions to them and hope that they will answer. Mm -hmm. it, it, it does take a lot of time. So it's, if I talk with somebody like today, it doesn't mean that he will provide me the question the next day. Mm -hmm. So it may take some time, but uh, it's very interesting. I mean, I uh, I love talking with guys who are doing some experimental, unusual work because uh, I think a couple of weeks ago we had an interview with uh, with the team behind uh, Ghost Freak and uh, Wildlands. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice! And they were talking about the ways the way they sort of built this huge world, 
And there is so much interesting stuff there. They, they use like procedural techniques. They build procedural cities, cities, roads, um, bridges, rivers. <laughs> there is, it's like science fiction for me. So there's so much interesting stuff going on. And uh, I guess I'm just curious like everybody else. So I want to learn how, how do they do that? Mm-hmm. What are they using and so on? So I just fall on everybody. And you're asking the questions that all professional developers want to know. Like, what I, what I love is that you guys are so on the pulse. You know, Violin's coming out as an example. It's like, yeah, I kind of want to want to know what how how they achieve this stuff. And it, it, the time is now. Like the thing we lost from the magazine age to the blog age, I feel, is the uh, the openness. Or at least the the studios uh, being willing to share, you know, uh, what used to be like uh, what you call it proprietary techniques uh, for the yeah. right, secrets, but not really, right? It's it's still polygons, but it's just ways to do it, and everyone's just kind of seeing, you know, for them it's great because it's like an extra outlet for them to market their game, which is two game developers. I know plenty of professionals out there who buy games just to look at them <laughs> and to, oh, yeah. to break it down but to have something like 80.lv there at the forefront and be like hey guys you know that awesome game that looks great you know this is kind of how they did it uh right when the game comes out that's that's awesome like i, I feel like that that's that's uh evolving the industry forward you know that's just something we really need right now to to really push uh the graphical achievements of, of every project. So, um, yeah, you, you mentioned that the companies are like big, big studios are opening up a little bit. And I think this is great. I mean, um, I wouldn't believe that, you know, Naughty Dog is going to run like an art director's bootcamp at GDC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. The things that they're doing there is just crazy. I mean, they're inviting the the top of the top, like, you know, the best artists out there. And they just talk about how they approach this whole production. And I was, um, like, there is a, all the talks are great. Uh, and uh, I think one of them w- w- really sort of stood out for me. It was uh, the two art directors from Naughty Dog. They were talking about how they were approaching the background in a cinematic uh, like production and cinematic scenes in our uh, Uncharted Four, and the like background in cinematic scene is probably the last thing that you remember when you finish Uncharted Four, right? So, who actually cares about what's there in the background when Nathan Drake is gonna kill another like million of people right now? <laughs> but uh, they actually put so much thought in that, like, and it's not just the the technical aspects it's just the whole you know like high concept kind of uh, attitude right so they they think about like geometrical forms they think about colors like lights and so many other stuff like it's incredible and it's it's wonderful that they actually share that to hear people talk about like how, how they developed uh Lara Croft right there, then the new version of Lara Croft. That that is like some revolutionary stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're easily sharing this with the community, and then then they put that. I mean, if if you go can't go to 
GDC. The, you can find that stuff online. Yeah. And, the, and it's open for everybody and everybody can see it. And it's just amazing. I mean, you can't, you wouldn't believe that this would be possible like five years ago. Because five years ago, everything was so closed. Nobody would share anything. Maybe, maybe on SIGGRAPH somewhere, like computer guys are going to talk about how they render yeah. pixels. <laughs> but most people wouldn't be able to understand it, so it, it doesn't count. But right now, they're actually talking about the things that sort of really matter for their artistic community in general and for just general public, I would say. Because it's so interesting to learn how they do that, like how they do like the wrinkles on uh, Nathan Drake's like shirt, how they do that wonderful animation there. Yeah, their animation system is like so amazing because Nathan Drake will transition and blend between every single animation he's got in his set and his, his mantles and his slides and his like it's just, I just love watching him goof around as he runs and tries to climb over stuff or as he's running and fleeing from combat or slipping in mud. That game is just a it's like a magnum opus in the game industry yeah. as far yeah. as technology yes. and art yes. colliding. I really love Uncharted for that. Yeah, they they are they did tremendous work, and the 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 team is very talented. And they are, uh, I think I was talking with Andrew Maximoff, mm -hmm. who's a technical director there at uh, at Naughty Dog, and he said, "Well, everybody's sort of like a perfectionist there, you know. Mm. They want to have like the best, or not do it at all. So they they want to have like the best kind of result they can get, and wow. the." The, the the kind of jump they made, I think, from the first Uncharted to like the fourth Uncharted, that's just yeah. incredible. I mean, if you have time, maybe you can find online, there is a wonderful video, which is about, uh, I think there is like animators in Naughty Dog talking about motion capture. And this really? is the, the at the time when motion capture was just introduced. And most animators were... You know, worried. I thought that well, uh, motion capture is gonna, you know, take over their jobs and they will have nothing to do. Right? <laughs> it was back in the day, right? So when they were doing like Crash Bandicoot, and then bam, they're doing like Uncharted Four, and then doing motion capture, and then doing all this crazy stuff. And um, the they kind of embraced it, and they took it like to a whole new level, right? The, the stuff that you see like in games like Uncharted or the other, like I think Sony does wonderful job with their exclusive titles. Yeah. They're, they're taking this to some, I you know, unknown realm for me. It's very high, high, high quality. Yeah. The funny thing about animators uh, talking about mocap back in the day is the same problem that art guys are complaining about photogrammetry or at least worried about it replacing their jobs right now, which isn't the case, right? It's just a tool. But uh, it's funny how, you know, we didn't really care about animators complaining back then who weren't animators. <laughs> and now they're just looking at us, rolling their eyes, like, oh, are you guys feeling our pain now? You finally caught up? Yeah, yeah. This is this, absolutely right. This is the same kind of story. Because uh, right now everybody's worried about uh, like rocks, you know, foliage. So Simon Barley, who's a foliage artist at Dice, he was doing like amazing job with just 
crafting those wonderful, like lush forests, right? And right now he's feeling kind of down because they have like mega scans or speed tree who can <laughs> just like that generate a whole bunch. And like, but I, I heard a very funny, I mean, I read a very funny comment there in one of his like uh, set posts. I'd say he said one of the commenters said, "Join us!" Like the he's a VFX guy. He join us. They cannot scan fire. <laughs> at least at least for now <laughs> yeah but you're absolutely right so they shouldn't be afraid of it because it's just a tool yeah and i i had the same talk with andrew from naughty dog he, because he's he's a tech like a, a technical artist mm-hmm. right so he embraces all the new technology that sort of robs a little of that work that artists do but gives them more freedom in terms of like creativity and trying new stuff so i I wouldn't say that stuff like uh mega scans or stuff like uh like houdini that it kind of kills the artistic work if the program can generate a level it doesn't mean that it doesn't need environmental artists right because this level Obviously, it's not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in a very exciting time. Like, we're talking about the applications of real-time graphics to entertainment like games. But what we're doing is, you know, especially with you guys at AD.LV, you're, you're promoting this idea of popularizing the techniques of how to achieve real-time graphics, which is the ultimate goal depending on what kind of project you are and stylized or realistic, but you want to, we want to be getting to the point where, you know, hospitals are using VR sets to save lives, you know, other industries that will be using real time graphics. And it's the same education that we're, we're, we're trying to promote here. Um, It's just being able to use this technology uh, to help or, or, to to do something else other than entertainment and i see the f- future of game industry is going to be more than just games like all this stuff like even movies are taking a look at the game industry uh using real time to start simulating you know uh having their actors actually interact with cg characters yeah. while they're acting like the applications Live. like that yeah uh you know, you, you see NASA building uh, like a Mars assimilation uh, so that their astronauts are actually doing stuff instead of just punching numbers. Oh, I don't know what they're doing. Like I'm undermining <laughs> NASA. <Okay. laughs> but you know what I mean? They're actually using Unreal and stuff over their Teslas, like using Unreal to, to help with their, uh, you know, touch screens in their cars to make it more yeah. interactive and fun. Like there's a lot of industries that are finally taking notice because we're at that stage where it looks good right it looks good yeah, now. yeah. so like I, all these techniques I, and stuff we're opening it up it's just going to help the industry so i think a lot of I think, companies are realizing that at least yeah exactly i think uh you should definitely go on um, a logarithmic blog <laughs> they have a, a lot of interesting publication on that topic because they're doing uh well substance designer is used in games a lot right but it's also used outside of games and they have a very interesting sort of like interviews with people from uh, automotive industry, mm-hmm. like people who are building like Hyundai, right? Mm-hmm. They're building cars 
And uh, the sort of need to figure out what kind of material are they going to use in the, in the interior. But they're not just looking for the material that they can imitate, right? They're looking for completely new material, something that doesn't really exist. They're going to synthesize it on their like, magic factory in Korea. But they're, they try to understand how it's going to look with Substance Designer. And this is a completely different way of thinking about that kind of software. Mm -hmm. The same idea is the, the same way like the Unity and Unreal is used right now, right? So they are used for art, architectural visualization and for architects, Unreal Engine is just free. There's like no strings attached. They don't even have to pay that sort of commission, right? And for VR, that's incredible. I mean, yeah. even like I, I think I've been with uh, at Autodesk, and they have their own engine, which is Stingray, yeah. and uh, they're building a bunch of very interesting VR stuff with it. Oh, yeah, and it oh. looks and it I'm looks very, very interesting. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say it's like blows your mind, but it gives you sort of understanding the the direction that they're going is uh, something you don't really expect. Mm -hmm. And another thing, when, while we are still on the topic of that VR stuff, is um, how you can build levels or environments inside VR. Yeah. Like there is a VR Unreal Engine, right? So you yep. go into like Oculus or HTC Vive and you start just boxing out like a level in Unreal. I mean, I've tried it a couple of times. It's just incredible. It just feels like you're, you know, a god creating the world. You know? <laughs> it's amazing. So on the seventh day, God took off his HTC Vive and said, let yeah. there be light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, what's interesting is like, I think the whole idea of pre-visualization is just going to be exponentially better because of virtual reality technology powered by real-time engines, right? Like pre-vis back in the day was what? Like some guy's copic marker sketch of the mall that you may potentially get in your community. You know what I mean? Or here's what your mansion could look like when we're done. And you're looking at this marker sketch, you know, then was 3D models and maybe even pre-rendered video. But now we're talking like, oh, what do you want? Okay, cool. Here's your environment. Here's your area. Here's your house. Go walk through it. Go sit in your new BMW M6 that comes out in 2018. You know what I mean? You don't have to do the clay models anymore. They can just build the car. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. One day, game developers will get off their chair and get back into a chair and live their life. <laughs> because that's where we're heading, man. Virtual reality 24-7. No, I mean, it just shows the, the kind of importance of these tools and the people who are using it, right? So it just shows how important it is to understand how to build a space in like 3D. Yeah. I think right now people don't really understand what what is like the value of it. Yeah, it's, but, it's uh, still being seen as an entertainment value. But yeah, yeah, it's sort of like a game or something like that. But I think in a couple of years when they start really getting into that VR stuff, when Facebook sort of catches on, yeah. uh, you, we're, we're gonna see like a completely different uh, way of using it, right? A yeah. completely different way of building and. Uh, People, awesome. people are going to take PTO from work 
to go yeah. in the VR world for two weeks to take a vacation. Like that's that's where I see this this all. Going. It's only gonna feel like an hour and a half. Yeah, total recall. Oh man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. If I can have a dream for an hour and a half that lasts two weeks. <laughs> but yeah, well, Kirill, we kind of talked about the past and the present, and you guys are two years strong, right? All that that you get talked about, that was two years, which doesn't sound too long, but like, I know you don't sleep, so <laughs> it's like twice the <laughs> lifetime of most. So where, where do you feel this, the next plateau? Like, what, what is the next stage for you? Oh, man, I don't know. It's kind of hard to sort of make predictions in, 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 in this kind of time. <laughs> but um, I think we're just going to build on what we're strong with and uh, trying to get into new areas that are out there. So I'm really interested in doing more uh, talks with VFX artists talking more about like particles and all that, all that stuff and uh, maybe branching out into new areas of game production. Mm. But um, what I'm inclined to sort of keep is our, um, is the idea that we want to do exclusive stuff, right? Mm. We want to talk with uh, knowledgeable people and it doesn't mean that it, they have to have like, super games like or they have to work at naughty dog or like insomnia it's just if you are knowledgeable and if you can build some nice stuff you could be a student and we're still interested in talking with you because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen so many talented guys uh who are guys and girls right who are doing stuff at their like a student project and their student project looks like a short film from Pixar. And it's all like in, done in real time. And you can interact and you can jump and run. And it's just amazing. So I just want to keep what we're doing, getting more people on board. Hopefully we'll be able to hire somebody else who can help out with everything. And uh, just push out more and more nice content. I hope you guys uh, do some design stuff, like level design every now and then. It might be good to see some content come through. No, we don't have time for that, Larry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like there's a huge market out there that isn't character art. <laughs> like I feel like every other discipline <laughs> kind of feels shortchanged when it comes to uh, coverage and techniques. Like there's a huge market for everyone else because I, I know those guys. We work with those guys all the time. And the character team isn't that big usually <laughs> in a company. No, I mean... We love character artists as well. Yeah, I mean, we have we had a bunch of character artists, but yeah. it's not just character. I would say so. We're interested in different stuff, right? Yeah, those guys have a lot of love. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just give Love Design a chance. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> all right. It's all right. Well, um, Brennan, Kirill, I'm looking at my stopwatch. And we are just about at that one hour mark. So listeners of this podcast know exactly what I'm going to say next. But new people just finding out about this podcast, what we normally do at the one hour mark is we give the guest speaker an opportunity to talk to our audience directly and tell them something awesome, something exciting that they're involved in, something they want to promote, 
or something that they just want to raise awareness for. And it's our gift to them for being part of the podcast. And I think this week is a very special week. So I'm going to turn it over to Brandon Carrillo to kind of share some interesting news, I'll just say. Uh, Brandon, you might know a little more than I do. Yeah, so Kirill, obviously, uh, we had to interview you because we like talking to people that we're partnering up with. So, <laughs> so this was more like getting to know the story behind Eddie Level. But at the same time, we've been talking to Kirill for a while, and we we felt like there was some kind of complementary partnership here in the making, and uh, we feel like you know we love what you guys are doing. Hopefully, you love what we're doing. And let's kind of make this more official as in we're going to throw people your way uh, because we want you to grow insanely uh, to the point where, yeah, everybody's just reading up on your stuff. Yeah. Because everybody else. Really, yeah, it's a huge service. Like, I really feel like everybody uh, needs to get on 80.LV because it, it is it's so important. Uh, not just for an environment, guys, to un- understand just the game making process. Yeah, I think that uh, this partnership of ours is going to sort of enrich our part of the content. So we're going to have more interviews from you guys. And uh, it's always nice to see and hear professionals talk about the stuff that they understand. And it's nice to have this look into the inside sort of kitchen behind the scenes kind of stuff of the game development which is which is always like always fascinating so i think it's going to be like a huge huge interest from like our audience and uh, you're going to see a surge of subscribers on your end as well yeah well i mean we're before we were pretty much unofficially pushing people to ed.lv because the one thing that we talk about is more about like, you know, I would say we're the social part of a game developer. We kind of talk about mm-hmm. people who are professionals or thinking about going triple A or people who want to go indie, either way, students trying to get in the industry. So we're more about the background and the life of the game developer. And, uh, you know, listeners, I was like, why don't you guys talk more about stuff in zebras and substance well dude there's something already done with that it's called 80.lv so <laughs> go over there and we're gonna just check them out yeah. and when you want to listen to how that guy made that scene and how he felt about it you go to us and you listen to us <laughs> yeah. talk about in, his, his in the intro i clearly say the lifestyle of <laughs> not the tutorials of <laughs> yes exactly. but it's all good it's all good <laughs> Exactly. So we're so happy that uh, we're partnering up with you guys. And uh, I see a lot of great things. I see a lot of things that that's just going to help with everybody yeah. in the industry. Definitely. And I like you guys. So next time we're all together, beer's on me. All right. <laughs> you hear that? And beer's that's including you too, audience. Anyone listening? Next time you see me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next time you see me. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Anyway, well, it's been an hour. It's been fun. Go ahead and hit pause. The podcast is done. My name is Larry Charles. Thank you for listening. Good night. This is Brandon Fam. Thank you for joining us this week. See you guys next time. I guess bye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.